God's grace and peace be with you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you say? Why don't we read Psalm 121, verse 2 again. Our memory for this week, our text today. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121, verse 2. You may be seated if you like. You know, every time I say you may be seated if you like, everybody takes me up on that. It's a short verse. We lock in our hearts this week. Very short. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's one of those verses that you can put on a bumper sticker, don't you think? It's short, it's to the point, but it is a powerful confession. The psalmist who writes this is not just coming up with a pithy saying. He is confessing that everything he has comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. He confesses that all he owns is from the Lord. He confesses that his help when he is weak comes from the Lord. And you see, that's the key. Because in order to confess that you need help, you are being, in a sense, vulnerable. You are allowing for the fact that you don't have all the answers, that you can't do everything that you would like to do or that even might be expected of you. And with that comes burden and comes guilt. Why? It just drives us crazy. We place ourselves when we say, well, we don't need help from you or anybody else or from God. We are saying that we are self-sufficient in all matters. We're going to carry everything that comes our way. way. That's a pretty bold statement. It's not weak to say that you need help. It's a matter of fact. It's being honest with who we are as people. We are human beings made of flesh and blood, and one of these days, this flesh will no longer be around here. Right? Our hearts will stop beating one of these days. The flow of blood won't be there. We don't like to think about those things, but that's reality. That's We live in a physical world. We also live in a broken world. So when the psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord, he is confessing that in all matters, physical and spiritual, his help comes from the Lord. That's our confession as well. We confess our sins to God. We are saying, Lord, take this burden from me. Most worship services, we confess to God that we are sinners. What exactly does it mean to be a sinner? Well, one who has sin is one who misses the mark. That's exactly the exact translation that comes out of the Hebrew and also out of the Greek. What are we saying? We can't hit the bullseye all the time. We're not perfect. We admit that. Sometimes when we get caught in something, it just tumbles right out to let ourselves off the hook. Look, I'm not perfect anyway, right? Who's perfect among us? So we allow that sometimes in our lives, but to wake up in repentance and in faith daily in our baptism and to say, I am not perfect. I missed the mark. Oh, Lord, help me this day. Luther says that he has a 
he had a difficult time focusing in on God all the time. You know, that he needed his grace constantly, his strength. He says, oh, what a horrible sinner I am. He can't get through the Lord's prayer without his mind wandering. Has that ever uh, happened to you? Ever be in the Lord's Prayer? Uh, Our Father who art in heaven. Oh, boy. you know. And your mind begins to wander about everything. Like right now. Your mind might be wandering. That's why I've always wanted to include in the message portion of the worship service to have a little Q&A like I do with the confirmation class. Right? How would, how would we like that? Little name tags, call on people, put them on the spot. No, because that's not worship. Worship is to come in realizing that we need to be ministered to. That's what worship is about. It's giving praise to God and allowing the spirit of the living Christ to minister to us. Allowing that he is gracious and he is kind, he is compassionate, and that above all, he loves his people. We're going to be singing a a hymn of response afterwards, a wonderful classic hymn. God loves me dearly. Oh, isn't that the truth? Get into his presence. We see that in in the gospel this morning, something really key here. John chapter 3, we all know John 3.16, probably the most uh, known scripture verses in all of the Bible. God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But all of this spoken by Jesus leads up to that point of John 3.16, in the first few chapter, uh, verses of the, of the third chapter, Nicodemus comes to seek him out. Here is a teacher of the law. He's Jewish, and he's a Pharisee, and he follows the law. He places himself under the law to be obedient, to make himself right with God, and he sees the Lord, Jesus, perform miracles and healings, The scriptures tell us that Jesus taught with authority and with power like no other leader before him. And so Nicodemus gets the sense that Jesus is someone special, so he seeks him out at night. He doesn't want to be caught with him. He doesn't want his other friends, his other teachers to see him seek Jesus out. embarrassed. He doesn't want to answer for it. I know you must be someone special, he says to Jesus, because you teach so well. You know, you've got this way with words, Jesus. There's something about you that's different. God must be with you. And Jesus responds to him about the kingdom of God. That while Nicodemus is aware that Jesus is special, the Lord Christ brings him closer to him and says, it's not me 
here, right now, that we're talking about the kingdom of God that's in your midst. It's not a good teacher that you are communicating with. It's not just someone, but rather it's the kingdom that's in front of you. And that's what Nicodemus couldn't understand. You see, he was so locked up in the physical world. That's the dynamic tension that we experience during this Lenten season, right here. The Christian dynamic. We live in a physical world, and yet we are spiritual beings. We're caught up in flesh and blood. But we're born of the Spirit. The waters of holy baptism bring you to faith. You receive the Holy Spirit in your baptism. You were anointed, you were consecrated, you were set apart as God's own child. That's what he did for you. And what Paul is telling us in Romans 4 is that you didn't do it yourself. He makes things that didn't exist into something new. God brings the dead back to life and he creates new things out of nothing. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. It's what he did in our lives. That's what he was trying to explain to Nicodemus. You place yourself under the law and you're going to fail. Paul says in verse 15, the only way to avoid breaking the law is what? To have no law to break. We place ourselves in a physical world under the law. We are placing ourselves with a burden on our hearts. And we're sure to fail. But God comes in Christ to lift the burdens of sin and guilt that weigh us down. And he talks to our spirit person, the one he created, that we would be able to embrace his grace, not because of things that we are doing or trying to do, but the things that he has already done. You see, that's the thing in our, in our Christian life. God has already done those things. He has already brought us to faith. He has already given us the new, the new life. He has already rebirthed us into this world. That's been accomplished already. And like What's the word? I don't want to offend anybody. But we are so thick-headed sometimes that we recognize the grace, but yet yeah, we want to place ourselves back under the law. Somehow, what God has already done for us isn't good enough. We have to improve on it. I'll never forget a time we were talking about in a Bible study years ago when I was uh, pastoring a congregation in Minnesota. We were talking about the book of Ephesians, and in particular, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. You all know that. I know you all know that. But you go to confirmation class, it gets drilled in your head, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? It's the one, the Lutheran banner of grace. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own. It is a work of God, Paul tells us in Ephesians. And we were talking about that in a Bible study uh, years ago. 
And after the Bible study, one of the uh, older gentlemen in our congregation who served in every office in the, at St. Peter's, uh, uh, he was a president of the congregation, he served on the board of elders, he held just about every office, he was always around helping out. And he came to me after Bible class, he said, you know, Pastor, I get Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I understand that. And then he sort of like says, you know, but I got to be honest with you. Doesn't it matter a little bit <laughs> that we do something? I mean, I just can't get it through my head. I mean, it's got to count for something, don't you think? He's thinking with his head, thinking in the physical world, thinking about what is expected of us in school or at work or in our relationships, things that we must do. No, that's not how God works. He already has accomplished in you what he wants to. He has already given you faith. He has already given you salvation. He has already given you the Holy Spirit. He has already given you the blessings that pour through Abraham. It's been done. There's nothing we can do to improve upon that. Rather, God gives us all of these blessings in a spiritual, wonderful way and then picks us up and moves us out into a fallen world to let people know of his grace. That the burdens that they might be carrying don't need to be. That God has already accomplished that through the cross of Jesus. That he has died for your sins. That he has been raised again for your victory. This is something that God has accomplished and given. It's something that Nicodemus eventually would understand. It's something that God gives us to receive today, to carry us through the season of Lent, to look at the cross with new and fresh eyes, to see our Savior in a new light, to have the Holy Spirit rekindle in us the great love that he has for us. And in just a moment, we're going to rise and we're going to sing, God loves me dearly. A simple hymn for one that is so profound and such a gift that we should receive it again this Lenten season. May we all be blessed and share the greatness of God's grace in Jesus our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.